Hey, are you looking to upgrade your key life areas and evolve to a higher level of existence? To practically harness personal growth and spirituality in a crazy, busy, imperfect world? Then you've come to the right place. My name is Prash and this is Urban Spirituality, the show which uniquely fuses ancient wisdom with contemporary self-growth and spiritual disciplines to deliver value-adding tools, traits, and insights to help you unleash your fullest potential. We always keep it real, featuring authentic, unfiltered dialogue with guests from diverse backgrounds to inspire, entertain, and enlighten all who listen. So get ready for your dose of urban spirituality. Be present and let's dive in. Productivity, guys. Productivity. What is going on, guys? What is going on right here? Productivity and procrastination, that killer of all things, right? All the good stuff we want to achieve, procrastination hurts us. So we're going to get into this as always. Just bring yourselves into this chat and bring your presence to this conversation. And as we come into this, I want you to start to think about the areas in your life where you're procrastinating or a particular area in your life that you're procrastinating. Where is it that you're procrastinating? You know, how is it that you're suffering? And as you bring that area to your mind's eye, like where you're procrastinating, what we want to do is we want to look at what we can do to boost that productivity. And that's what we're going to do in this session right here. I'm so glad to be here covering this with everybody right now. It's such an important topic close to my heart and I guess close to many people's hearts right now, the need to boost our productivity. But first, it starts with handling and tackling our procrastination. Why do we procrastinate? Why does that even happen? So let's take a look at that. Let's get straight into it. So glad that you're all here. So I hope you brought your pen and pen and pads or just your mental pen and pads, if nothing else, because we'll look at some strategies here at how we can tackle procrastination, which many of us probably face in some way or shape, right? And what we'll do is look at how we can then boost our productivity. That's going to be the journey that we're on for the next sort of 20 to 30 minutes. I hope you'll be with me for that short, powerful and insightful session. Um, Quick introductions for yourself. My name is Prash Katecha. I'm the CEO and founder of Stress to Success. I run a beautiful boutique coaching and training consultancy, and we specialize in helping people with one-to-one and group training and coaching in the areas of well-being, conscious leadership, emotional intelligence, and all that sort of stuff to help us to integrate and upgrade our mindset and our internal architecture to bring out the best in our personal and professional lives. And of course, part of that is productivity. So we're going to get straight into it and discuss what we can do about this. So let's give you a context here. First of all, Raise your hands if you can, visually, verbally. And by the way, just let me know you can hear this session that it's running okay. Uh, If any of you tuned in, just drop a comment. Let me know that you can hear me fine. Raise your hand virtually, if you will, if you've suffered from any kind of procrastination in your life. Where has that been? Has it been in your studies when you were at university, perhaps, or when you were in your exams and you just were procrastinating? I know I was, right? Who's left their revision for their exams till the last minute, right? Because they were too busy partying with their friends. Yeah, right? I was one of those guys. Who's left big decisions in their life? Buying a house. I left. I, I missed out on the property boom so many times. I've, I've lost count because I was too scared. I procrastinated. What about in relationships? 
Where have you procrastinated? Where have you procrastinated in your life with relationships? Perhaps with a loved one. Perhaps where you know that you needed to heal a relationship, mend a relationship, but you procrastinated. Maybe it's for you. Maybe it's perhaps in your romantic relationships. Have you procrastinated with popping the question? With finding that person that you want to be with? With perhaps reaching out to somebody you really actually want to be with, but you've been scared to do so. You procrastinated. Or maybe like me, you know, you got burnt by a bad experience and then you decided not to get into any kind of relationships for like years and years and years. Where have you procrastinated? Perhaps in your career that you've been comfortable where you are and you're kind of procrastinating. You know that you could do higher. You know, your manager or somebody around you, your peers are like, hey, you should be shooting for that position. But you don't. You're procrastinating. Or it could be in your business, right? Your business could be where it's at at the moment, but it could go, be, go so much more, but you're, you're holding yourself back. There's procrastination going on. There's something that's holding you back. So what we want to do is try and understand a little bit why we procrastinate, first of all. So as we do that, think about what it is for you in your life. Which areas in your life are you procrastinating? Think about that. Where could it be for you in your life? And as we do so, let's look at some of these things and deconstruct it. So bring to your mind's eye that thing that you're procrastinating with. That's the first thing. Let's start there. <clears throat> now, when you've got that in mind, we need to understand why is it that we procrastinate? Why do we procrastinate? Now, if you're a fan of Tony Robbins, and I've been a fan of his for many years, but also um, many other older motivational speakers uh, <laughs> who date back before him, like Zig Ziglar, for example, and even right back to Epicurus and the Greeks, the Greek philosophers, and one thing that comes out, one narrative, is that the many, more often than not, one of the key reasons we procrastinate is because of a certain kind of fear, whether that be fear of failure, fear of success. I mean, some of my coaching clients have a genuine fear of success that prevents them from reaching the next level. They're scared of that success. They know that if they get it, other things will happen. So it could be fear of failure, fear of success. It could be fear of hard work. It could be fear of complex situations it could be fear of embarrassment right or fear of shame or looking silly right how many times have you not asked that person out or gone on a date with somebody because you're scared of looking silly or embarrassed and then you procrastinate and then it never happens and then somebody else ends up dating that person and you you miss the train so to speak miss the boat so largely we procrastinate out of fear now it may not be obvious but sometimes it's the simplest fear of doing hard work you're just comfortable where you are you're kind of lazy you don't want to go further because you're happy where you are there's not sufficient impetus for you want to do it so what you want to do is firstly before you move to productivity you need to deconstruct why you're procrastinating and the clues are in your habits and what occupies your days and what occupies your thoughts so you have to do a bit of self-analysis a little bit of internal BA a bit of internal QA You've got to look and try and understand why it is and what it is that you're occupying your time with and why it is that you're not doing what you're wanting to do and achieve, right? So once you understand it's normally associated with a fear of something, you've just got to drill down and understand, is it a fear of embarrassment, shame, hard work, fear of success, failure, blah, blah, blah. Make that list and work down that. Navigate and try and see what those one or two or three key things are. Now, once you've got that, you want to look at the other side. Is it 
pleasure. So could it be that you're procrastinating because you don't see sufficient pleasure in what it is that you're trying to achieve? So perhaps you have a goal and you're not using it and you don't see the other side of that. So we'll look at a little bit later on how we can use pleasure through the power of goal setting, um, how to motivate ourselves to be more productive. So what we absolutely want to do when we do this is understand why we're procrastinating through this process. When we've understood that, once we've got an idea or an appreciation of why we think we're procrastinating through, it's always usually an emotion, right? It's an emotion that is associated with an action that has or hasn't happened. Sometimes we procrastinate because of a regret from the past. We've screwed up before, so we're reluctant to go and achieve this thing. Does that make sense? So we're so upset or worried that we've failed previously that we don't want to go ahead and try something out because it's of some bad experience of the past, right? Whether it's in relationships, work, business, whatever it is. So we've got to go back and look and do a little bit of that forensic work, like I said. Once we've done that forensic work, now we're in a position to move on to the next stage, which is understanding our why. Why do we want to get productive? What is it that drives us to want to be more productive? Is it the limited number of hours so we just know that we've got so much to get done we've got to be more productive because if we don't if we're not that more productive then we're going to mess up so we need to understand what is that why but then once we've got an idea of what that why again what we want to do is peel back those layers peel back those layers and go deeper and try and understand why it is that we're not being that why it is that we need to be productive is it because there's a pressing deadline, financial deadline? Is it because there's a certain amount of money that we've got to make that you, if you don't make that amount of money, then, you know, you know, the debt is, you know, the debt collectors will come or, you know, your mortgage, your house could be repossessed. You have to understand your why in order to help you to be more productive. And it's got to be a strong enough why. Now, I recommend, you know, and I recommend this to all my coaching clients. We want to always try and pin your why to your values and your beliefs. So always try and bring it back to your values and beliefs. You look at your values and beliefs and try and understand what is it that drives me in this world? What is it that I believe in? I believe in freedom. I believe in what is it? What is it that you believe in? Do you believe in freedom? Do you believe in independence? Maybe you lived a childhood where you couldn't be so independent. So you absolutely hold as an important value independence, free thinking, freedom of travel, freedom of thought. Maybe some of these are your values. Integrity love, compassion, caring for other people, contribution. That's another great value. So when you understand what your values are, you can then trace back your why, your reason for wanting to be more productive back to a value, to a meaningful value. Now, once you've pinned it back to a meaningful value, now you're in the driving seat because you've now got a meaningful value or values that you have tied your, you've tethered your why, your reason for wanting to be more productive too. Once you've tethered your values and your why together now you're in a good position to start to make that progress i hope that makes sense so far in what i'm saying so understand your why pin it back to your values and your beliefs and try and ascertain what it is and if you're not getting a great answer is it because you just want to show off if it's shallow you need to go deeper so keep going deeper until you get something that's a solid why okay like it like it's a non-negotiable like in the case of, well, if you don't make the certain amount of money, you will never get to this stage in life where you want to. Or, you know, if you don't make this investment in yourself, then you won't be able to be the person that you want to be. If you don't do this for your children, then they will suffer. 
So find out that strong why and then tether your values to it. Now, once you've done that, we move on to planning and goal setting. So once we know our why, we start to identify what our goals are. We understand goals. Now, here's a simple tip for goals. Look for just two or three goals across a period of a year. Don't try and go crazy and have 15 goals. It's okay to have sub goals, but just go for a handful of goals over the course of a year. And I hope that makes sense because you've got to do that. If you don't do that, then you're going to be you are going to be in trouble because you're going to be trying to chase too many things and that's not going to help anyone. If you chase too many things, it ain't going to help you and you'll lose focus. What you want to do is identify two or three powerful big goals. I call them big rocks. Think of two or three big goals that you want to achieve in the year. Identify why you want to achieve those goals. Again, you take it back to your why. Why do you want to achieve those goals? Once you've understood your why, why you want to achieve those goals, Identify what those goals look like. Paint a picture for yourself. Visually, if you're a visual person or orally, if you're an oral person or in written form. But you write or paint or draw or get a vision board and you create a picture, that big picture of what life looks like, what your life, what your life looks like, what your business looks like or what your health looks like. Paint that picture of your goals at the end of the next quarter or the next six months or the end of the year. In this case, conveniently, the end of the year. We're already three months in, so we've got nine months left. What does life look like? What does your life, business, career, health, etc. look like at the end of the year? Now, if you've painted a picture of that or written a version of that, whichever you prefer, what you can then do next is then pin those goals inside. Okay, what slot those goals in? How did these two or three goals help me to achieve this big picture over here? Now, once you've got that, now you start to break down those goals into smaller steps. Well, if I have to achieve, for example, if I want to achieve a, I'm just asking, I'm just as an example, if I want to achieve an income of £3,000 a year, $3,000, £3,000 a year, £4,000 a year, what is it that I've got to do in order to get there? If I want to earn 50K this year, what do I got to do? So you break that down. Well, I've got nine months left. That's about, I'm going to need to earn about, you know, somewhere in the region of around 6K a year, 6K every month in order to hit my 50K target for the nine months left, argument's sake. What do I need to then do to get the 6K? Well, I need to make 20 phone sales phone calls to get a 20% conversion rate on those calls. I need to, uh, I need to do X amount of work, maybe one side job, and that side job or second job with the 20 sales calls a week that convert to 20% yeses, that together should bring in anywhere between four to six K. So what I've done there is I've deconstructed a goal, in this case, say I wanna earn 50K by the end of the year into constituent smaller components that are manageable and trackable over a period of say 25 days or a, or a month. Does that make sense? Then you break them down a little bit more into actually daily targets. Okay, I gotta do this today. I've gotta to make this many phone calls. I've gotta get my product ready. I've gotta get my service ready. So you start to break them down into manageable goals that can be tracked and managed on a day-to-day -day basis. So now what you've done is you've identified your big picture, you've looked at your goals, you've identified two or three big goals, you've mapped them out for the year ahead, for the months ahead, for up to the year, and then you've created a plan that says, well, you've, by breaking down those goals into meaningful, tangible activities, you've created a small plan. So what do you do next? Build a set of to-do lists, right? And that means, you know, all of these activities need to be following that famous SMART methodology, right? Specific, each task or goal needs to be specific, measurable, 
attainable, relevant, and time-bound. I don't have the time to go into details about that, but I know you know what I mean when I talk about that, right? Your SMART goals. So your, each of your two or three big goals for the year are broken down into the sub-goals, and you need to make sure that those goals are specific, right? What is it that you want? 50K. Or what is it? I want to lose three kilograms. What is it? I want to have somebody in my life who I am sharing my life with by the end of the year. Okay. They want to be measurable. Well, what steps are you going? How many dating events are you going to? How many dates are you going on? Whatever it happens to be, how many less calories are you going to eat to drop that weight? So it needs to be measurable. It needs to be attainable. It can't be something super unrealistic. Now, of course, unrealistic is subjective, but it wants to be something that's within your sphere of reachability. Then it needs to be relevant, right? It needs to be relevant to you, not to your parents, not to your brother, not to your wife, not to your kids, to you. It needs to be relevant to you. If it's not relevant to you, you won't take it real serious. And then it needs to be time bound. There has to be some time scale that you attach to it. Okay, in this month, I'll do this. Or in this quarter, I'll achieve this because that will help me to achieve my overall goal for the year by doing that. So you make these things time bound. So I hope that makes sense. Okay, what do you need next? Hope you're with me so far. Next thing we want to do is eliminate some of the distractions that we get. What am I talking about? I'm talking about cell phones, mobile phones, TV. Going out is easy now because there, no, there are not many distractions to go out with mates and friends at the moment in this climate to go to the pub and whatnot. But otherwise, there could be distractions with social events, uh, social gatherings. There could be distractions with technology. So what you want to do is start to audit where you're getting distracted. Is it technology? Is it your phone? Is it social media? Is it your TV? Is it binge watching on Netflix? Is it spending hours listening to a friend or maybe a so-called friend who's draining you of energy? Is it a family member who's wearing you down? Where are you being distracted? Once you've done an order to that, what you want to do is narrow that down to the things that you'll accept that you need for amount of social pleasure and recreation and relaxation. But then the rest of it you want to curb down on. You want to clamp down on that because that will help you to start to reduce your distractions. I hope that makes sense. Sometimes in order to reduce distractions, you have to isolate yourself. Part of that is going digital uh, off-grid, right? Go into no, no non-disturb mode, do not disturb mode or airplane mode. Go into that. Part of that could be physically being hard-hidden, right? If you're with your family members or your household, tell them, do not disturb for two hours. No distractions, no food, no TV, no technology, no music. Just two hours of your work. Now, a great technique to do this um, is... A great technique to do this is the Pomodoro technique. The Pomodoro technique is a great simple way where you start a clock and you work for a finite specific amount of time, you, whatever task you're doing, and then you take a short break and then you repeat. So Pomodoro technique classically is 25 minutes of work, whatever your task is, you focus on that task, no distractions. Then you take a five minute break, bathroom break, tea break, coffee break, answer your emails, whatever you need to do. And then you start the clock again. Another 25 minutes of solid focus on your task. Then another five minute break. The benefit of the Pomodoro technique is to keep you cognitively refreshed. So, I mean, that's that goes deep into well-being and I wanna get into too much detail here, but you get the idea that the Pomodoro technique is a great way to start to carve out your, is a great way to carve out your day so you can get more done with less distraction. I hope that makes sense. Um, moving on. Let's look at another thing, time management. So when it comes to time management, everybody has the same 24 hours. We know that, right? We all have the same 24 hours. But here's the thing. 
many, most of us don't actually do an audit of what we're doing in our waking hours. We just kind of assume and almost let life lead us, right? We almost let life lead us to say, okay, we're going to end up going to work. Of course, we've got to go to work. Or of course, we've got our day job. Of course, we've got our kids. Of course, we've got our social avenues. Of course, we've got to eat, right? So these things feature as default in our life. But sometimes it's valuable to actually take stock and do an audit of what we do in our waking hours. So let's say we, first of all, are you sleeping too much or are you sleeping too little? So that's going to be addressed, okay? Start with your sleep. Are you sleeping too much or too little? Once you've established that you're kind of getting somewhere between six and eight hours and it's relatively good quality sleep and assuming that's in place, then you look at how many hours you've got left. So let's say you have 16 hours left. Sleep eight hours, you've got 16 hours. Out of the 16 hours, what you want to do is do an audit and see how much of that are you, what are you doing with that time? If you've got 16 hours, waking hours, what are you doing? How much of that is for bodily activities, right? Dressing, feeding, showering, going to the bathroom, physical exercise, right? How much is it for bodily activities? How much is it for social activities, eating dinner together, phoning friends, Checking up on loved ones, looking after the kids, so you find out how much that is. How much is going in relaxation, TV watching, maybe some other kind of form of fitness, playing computer games, surfing the internet, right? Social media, how much time is going in recreation or downtime? Number four, how much time is going in your work, your business, your day job, whatever it is. So already you've got four pockets in the day that you can start to play with. That's four variables. So whilst you may not eliminate eating, you can make eating a bit more time effective. Whilst you can't eliminate hanging out with your friends or family all the time, you can time box it. So you can say, I'll only dedicate these three days a week to my social stuff, but four days a week, I'm going to be working hard. So what I'm saying is that when you take an audit, when you take stock of those 16 hours or 18 hours that you're awake, you're able to start to better compartmentalize and harness where you spend your time. And when you do so, you'll inevitably or more likely than not find that you're leaking time somewhere time is being leaked where is it being leaked is it being leaked in bad business decisions in your business are you taking on too much maybe you should be delegating more because your time is worth more than let's say a virtual assistant's time if it's in your career is it that you're doing focusing on too much of the wrong stuff very well right some people do the wrong stuff really well is that what's going on for you? So you want to take an audit of what's going on. So when you audit that stuff, you can start to assess where your time is being dissipated or wasted. And as you start to ascertain that, you're able to now start doing something about it, right? Because you have an idea. So always try and track what you're doing. Audit what you've got. And as you audit it, audit that time, you can now start to reallocate that time. So for example, if you audit your time on a daily basis and then on a weekly basis and you ascertain, my God, I spend 15 hours a week watching TV, 15 hours. Maybe you can then make a decision saying, you know what, I'm going to cut that back down to 10 hours a week because I still want to watch TV, but I'm going to use redistribute those five hours to studying or learning, just as an example, right? If that's a goal. Or for example, if it's um, losing weight, you know, people want to get ready and fit for summer or get fitter, right? Losing weight or get fit. Maybe you can look and see, wow, I spend, for argument's sakes, five hours a week on phone calls, chatting, 
nonsense really just with my mates and it's great for my social and mental well-being but after a while I'm just kind of shooting the breeze so maybe what you say is well I'm going to cut that from five to three and I'm going to reclaim those two hours a week for going to the gym or walking or sprinting or running or whatever so suddenly you've you it's not like you had more time all you've done is reallocated the time that you have in your waking day because you've sensibly done a time audit across the whole course of the day now that's how you improve your time and that's where time management really will start to pay dividends for you. I hope that makes sense. <clears throat> then, we've got to learn to say no. Now, I did, uh, for those of you who are aware, I did actually a separate training on learning to say no, the art of learning to say no. And you can check that out. You can even check it out on the Urban Spirituality podcast on iTunes, Spotify, all your favorite channels. Check out Urban Spirituality. and You can find out that episode and study the art of saying no. But learning to say no is an important part of boosting your productivity and reducing your stress. If you're saying yes to too many things, then inevitably 24 hours is not enough. And inevitably your productivity suffers and you end up getting stressed. So what you want to do is learn to start to selectively say no to people, to opportunities, to tasks, and to things. Four things, right? Be no to playing computer games as much. Might be no to helping out a friend on a, a certain occasion, but saying, okay, not today, but I'll help you tomorrow. Might be no to certain social gatherings. It might be no to certain family members who are overly needy on you. It might be no to an opportunity because it's a great opportunity, but it's going to distract you from the particular three goals that you've got for the year. Make sense? So you, know, you want to learn to start to gracefully say no. Find things that you can carefully and importantly say no to and start to gracefully say no to those things. I hope that makes sense. I think that's really, really important. And here's a great tip to learn to say no. Use the 5-5 five, five principle. That means count from 5 down to 0, breathe. Count down to 5 and then say the word no. In those five seconds, you create enough of a gap to ascertain whether that thing that's tempting you, that offer, that thing, that person, that object, that opportunity, is it really worth your time? You pause for a second, you can ascertain and say in that moment, actually, no. And you can say no gracefully so it doesn't hurt the other person's feeling or if it's to yourself. You can say no and apply delayed gratification. Say no for now, gratify yourself later with a nice treat, a, a nice dish to eat or a a meal with your friends in future. Whatever it is, delay the gratification so your productivity stays on point. Okay, we're nearly there. We want to divide and prioritize and then delegate for optimal productivity. So dividing up is talking about taking a big task, right? Spreading it out over several chunks so you're not overwhelmed, right? It's again, it's what we're saying. It's micro, it's micro dissecting your goals. If you have a goal, deconstruct it into smaller goals, sub-goals, sub-goals, and then you do small parts. You're dividing your big goals or the things that you want to be productive at into smaller parts. Then you want to prioritize. You may have three things that you want to be really productive at and you need to get done, but all three can't be done at the same time. So you want to prioritize, and that priority may change. What's important for you today may not be important tomorrow. What's important this month is super high priority. So for me, for example, I've had my company accounts that's been high priority i've had other stuff that's important but this is really high priority if i don't get my accounts done by the end of march the tax man will be right there knocking on the door right i'll get fines but then there's other stuff that's important but that can wait so what you want to do is you want to learn to prioritize the stuff according to time place circumstance and people okay then you want to also embrace the power of delegating see 
where and whom you can delegate to. And we're, we're very fortunate. We're living in a world where there are um, delegation, de delegatable avenues like freelance websites where you can go hire a freelancer or a VA to delegate some of your stuff too. Now, if you're in a career and a job, paid job, you may not be able to delegate to somebody external to the firm, but you can certainly consider delegating to a colleague. Maybe you can task swap. You do something that they're good, you're good at uh, that they need doing and they do something that they're good at that you need doing. Switch. So look at ways how you can sensibly delegate. Same thing in the household. Delegate. Trade. Right. Offer to do the dishes while they do something else or offer to do this for that. It's a friendly way of arbitraging with people around you, your work or your home people in order to delegate better what you got. And that's going to get you more productive. Divide and conquer. Remember, my friends. <clears throat> and then last but not least, develop the right habits. That means planning your day right, starting the day with journaling, building lists, starting the day with a routine, meditation ideally, writing a little journal, having your to-do list ready from the night before to say, these are the things I focus on today and I will eliminate and I will avoid distractions. Of course, distractions will happen. Of course, the, the odd phone call will come. The emergency will come. Health issues will crop up. That's life. But what we want to do is we want to set our morning up as best as possible so we're minimizing straying off course and we're able to keep that track. Does that make sense? So start the day off right. So developing the right habits means starting the day right. Planning for the week ahead. Take care of yourself. Meditate. Make sure you take adequate regular breaks. That's why that Pomodoro technique is great. 25 minutes work, 5 minutes break. Rinse and repeat, rinse and repeat. Before you know it, 7 or 8 hours of that has been powerful. Your stress levels are maintained low and you're able to get productive because you've got a clock, a countdown timer of 25 minutes. You actually can see how much you accomplish in those 25 minutes. Switch off your phones and other distractions and you really get focused. Don't be surprised if your productivity triples because that's what I've seen with my colleagues, my clients, some of the corporate clients we work with in teams, their productivity doubles, literally doubles within a matter of a few weeks because they've incorporated some of these techniques. So there you have it, my friends. I hope that these have been valuable tips for you to take and apply in your own life, in your work, in your career, in your relationships, in your household, so you can share these tips with your family and friends so everybody can become more productive. Let me give you an idea of the value of productivity. If you can, let's say the average rate, pay rate, right? The hourly rate or wage of any of you tuned in right now is, let's just say for argument's sake, 50 pounds an hour. For argument's sake, 50 pounds an hour. If you increase your productivity by the techniques in this session and in the training course that I'm going to tell you about in a minute, if you can increase your productivity by just 20%, just 20% overall, can you imagine that if you're working a 40-hour week, then you're going to save just on those 40 hours. Just think about that for a second. You're going to save five hours. Five hours times five pounds times 50 pounds that's 250 pound a week imagine you work on average say 40 weeks so do the maths on that you how much are you saving when you do that that's 20,000 pounds worth of money saved in the bank by increasing your productivity by 20 percent across a year 20,000 pounds at least 20,000 and that's on the conservative side right can you see how valuable it is to, to increase your productivity by overcoming your procrastination and then boosting your productivity. That's the benefit of what we got here. So I'm going to leave you with, obviously, my best blessings and gratitude that you know you'll take advantage of this. 
and an invitation. Check out the course that I put in the description in this broadcast. We have a signature productivity course called From Procrastination to Productivity. The course is available online. You can buy it straight from stress2success.co, our website, the Stress to Success website. And I'm delighted to offer 50% off the course. So it will cost you the price of a meal for two people in a very modest restaurant. And you'll have the whole course, which you can crack out within just a few hours. It's a time practical, it's a time sensitive, practical, goal oriented, practical course. So within a couple of hours, you'll have done the whole course for less than the price of a small meal for two people. And that course will pay dividends of anywhere between 15, 20, 30, 40,000, according to your hourly rate within a year, just by an increase of 20, let alone if you increase your productivity by 50, how much money you'll be saving. Just look at the opportunity cost. So check it out at the website, stress2success.co. You'll find the productivity course. Um, I've left the link here, so go check it out. Use the code earlybird50, uh, lowercase earlybird50, and you will be able to get 50% off that course. And if you have any problems, drop a line. But I hope that's been valuable. And last but not least, always, as I've mentioned before, do follow and check out our website because there's our podcast because there's so much valuable content and episodes like this where we cover fantastic subjects like this. Go check out Urban Spirituality on iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, um, all your all Audible, all your favorite platforms and check out the YouTube channel Urban Spirituality and you'll find lots of goodies there. Hey folks, thanks so much for listening. I really hope you enjoyed this episode and as with all our episodes, found something to inform, inspire and empower you in your personal and spiritual journeys in life. As always, feel free to leave a little love for your ratings and comments, subscribe and share it with those you care about. And take your personal and spiritual evolution to the next level by joining us on one of our unique events, workshops, or retreats, or taking advantage of our personal and professional coaching packages. Find out more about us at mantratherapy.co.uk. I'm your host, Prash K. This is Urban Spirituality, and we will catch you on the next episode.